Well, good morning. All right, you're here. We've got a lot going on this morning, huh? Coburns, I thank you again for your participation this morning. Thank you. Love your kids. Love y'all. So thank you for that. Ben, thank you for your help this morning. It was wonderful. And thank you for your energy out here when you sang with us. Appreciate that. It gets us in a mode of worship. And I was thinking about this sermon, and I realized something. I've known it, but, you know, sometimes it's good to get kicked in the head every once in a while and be refreshed. These stories are real in the Bible. They're not made up. They're not myths. It's not the legend of the wise men. Some feel that, right? It's not the legend of Adam and Eve. Even Jesus is considered a myth by some. Now, these are real things that happen. And today we're going to talk about the star. We're going to talk about the scriptures and the child. And yes, it goes right along with the big picture of God's redemptive plan. The object of our faith, our Savior, who is uh, the, the Christ, of course, but Savior, Christ, and Lord. And we're going to talk about some Gentile magi today that seem to make their way hundreds and hundreds of miles to worship. So if you're in your Bibles, I hope you are, Matthew 2, if you're not there, please turn to Matthew 2. I'm going to read the first 12 verses this morning, and I'm going to read a real story. Folks, there are evangelicals within the Protestant faith that don't believe this story is real. I do. I absolutely do. So let's read it this morning. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to break down this story and show you three very applicable things that we need for this Christmas season. It is my challenge to you. It is my challenge to myself. And it's something that we are aware of. It's elementary. We are aware of it, but we overlook it. So let's talk about nativity scenes. If you don't know it already, I am a big fan of Christmas decor. 
I have big nativity scenes. I have small nativity scenes. I have one that's absolutely gorgeous. And the traditional manger scene that we purchase on Amazon or at Hobby Lobby or you've had for 100 years, the traditional manger scene that brings together the shepherds and the wise men, it's not true to Scripture. That is not how it happened. I know they include everything, and that's great, but that is not what has happened here. The wise men, or the magi as they're referred to, they arrive later. They are not there at the time of Jesus' birth. Um, A lot of people get that wrong. A lot of people get that wrong. So let's talk about these wise men. They say, the scripture tells us, they are from the east. Now, folks, this is most likely Babylon or possibly Persia, okay? Um, They said, we saw his star. I love that they identify it like that, his star. Um, When it rose, or in the east. Some of your Bibles may say when it rose, or we saw it in the east. Uh, What they're meaning here is they didn't see the star in the east. It's their position. It's their position in the east when they saw the star, because they would be looking westwardly towards Israel, towards Jerusalem. So we have that. These wise men, we don't know a lot about them. The magi, as they're referred to, Some were astrologers, astronomers. They studied the sky. They studied the stars. We have that here. Some studied ancient texts, mysticism. Uh, They were interpreters of dreams. And yes, some studied magic. Folks, like any people group or any occupation, some are bad and some are good, right? You got some good doctors, some bad doctors. You got some good pastors, some bad pastors. Believe it or not, Magi could be good or bad too, because there are some, as we see here today, that sought truth. But I like to look at them as scientists, if you will, scientists, because they were all about discovery. They were all about exploration. So they're in the East when they spot something. Let's remember that. Now, this is what gets me. Tradition tells us that there were three wise men. Folks, we have no idea how many wise men there were. It easily could have been more than three. Tradition tells us three because tradition in Scripture shows us three gifts. I need to let you know these three gifts are for a reason, obviously, mentioned, but it could have been multiple gifts of gold. It could have been multiple gifts of frankincense. There could have been other gifts that weren't listed. Not everything was recorded for us. So we don't know that it was just three. But I can tell you that when we see that little pretty depiction or picture of the three wise men riding and the, you know, like their silhouette, that's not what it looked like. These men would have had attendants with them. Uh, With this journey, they would have possibly had a military guard. There would have been more than three people, even if it was just three wise men. I need you to understand that. So attendants and protection. So when this caravan arrived in Jerusalem, there was enough of them to trouble the whole city. We have to be aware that when they arrived, it got people's attention. Now, We do not know exactly when the Magi first saw the star. We are not told. We don't know how long they had traveled. We don't even know how long Jesus had been uh, born before their arrival. You got to remember, if they're coming from Babylon or Persia, they're traveling about 800 plus miles. Folks, we're talking 40, upwards of 40 days. That is a long journey. That is a long journey to be following a particular phenomenon, that light But here they are, they're traveling. We do know one thing, 
They're the first to call Jesus the king of the Jews. That's who they're seeking. They're seeking a king. Now, this knowledge could only be obtained by the understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures. And most likely, this stemmed from the writings of Daniel. We remember Daniel was captive, right? In Babylon, he was taken. This most likely stems from the writings of Daniel, and it's been uh, passed down generation to generation. Please don't dismiss divine revelation. I'm right there with you. I believe God's providence was in all of this. So, the Scriptures, again, stemming most likely from Daniel, had to make their way down. And in this verse right here, Numbers 24:17. Numbers 24:17 says this, "I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth." This could have been something that they read. Now, we cannot know for certain how they knew what to look for or what they knew about the promised coming of the Messiah. We're not given the information. But it's clear that they understood that this child was the promised king of the Jews. That we understand. And that had to come from somewhere. Now, the fear of the Lord must have been from the knowledge and wisdom that was handed down to them. I truly believe that that this knowledge of God, it was handed down. And they worshiped a little baby as reigning king. We cannot forget that. They worshiped. Did they truly understand that this child was God himself? I do not know. Same thing with the shepherds. I can't give you that information. But I do know that they worshiped him as a reigning king. That is important to remember. But my favorite part to this whole magi wiseman thing is something got their attention they watched the stars they studied the stars something appeared and they called it his star now i need to tell you something i've seen a lot of movies about the nativity all right the birth of christ a lot of shows and it's true a lot of them like to say well it was a conjunction of planets that came together and it made this bright star i don't believe that Some say it was a conjunction of planets with a particular star or stars. And they followed that. Some believe it was a supernova. That's when a star explodes. And folks, believe it or not, you'll have light for months from a supernova. It's very bright. I don't know about that. Comets, in particular Halley's Comet, the one we're familiar with. Some say it had to be Halley's Comet. I believe it was the supernatural it could have easily been an angel. It could have easily been God's glory, Shekinah glory. It could have been God preparing a particular light that would guide the wise men. Maybe they only they saw it. No one's ever thought about that, have they? Are they the only ones that saw it? We don't know. But something was there that guided them. It got their, it got their attention. It caught their eye. What was it? Again, your pastor believes it was supernatural. It does, if you believe something else, God bless you. It's okay. We know that they all arrived for a purpose, and that was the presentation of Christ. But I do believe it was a supernatural light, and I'm going to explain that again in a minute. But Matthew says something, or actually he doesn't say something that's interesting. He doesn't say that the rising star that these wise men had seen led them to Jerusalem. Why look for a king in Jerusalem? Well, they were headed that direction. 
That's where the light was. They knew where to go, but it not, didn't necessarily lead them to Jerusalem. You have to remember, Bethlehem is about five to six miles south. So if they're heading, they would still see the same light. But here's what's interesting. The reason they went to Jerusalem, to a king's palace, is because isn't that where a king would be born? Isn't that where the king of the Jews would be born? In a palace in the capital city of Jerusalem. Absolutely. I would think that if I lived then. Let's go check out the palace. That must be where this child is. King of the Jews. But that wasn't the case. They got there and they met somebody else. They met somebody named King Herod. You could also know him by Herod the Great. Master builder. Unbelievable builder. He of palaces, of cities, fortresses. He even restored the temple in Jerusalem, but this was a paranoid man. Paranoia. Not only that, he was a tyrant. He killed his favorite wife. He killed his sons. He killed other relatives in the family. Why? Because they were a threat to his kingdom and a threat to his kingship. You did not threaten King Herod and stay alive. But now... We have a threat to the throne, don't we? You have these Gentile magi, not under Roman rule, coming into my land and asking me, where is the king of the Jews? Through Roman rule, I am the king of the Jews, buddy. I can see him saying that. You're looking at them. They're not, oh, no, no, we're looking for a child. It was a threat to Herod. You know who else it was a threat to? And I can prove this because even in Jesus' life, the reason he died is because of these people. It was a threat to the corrupt practices of the leadership, both religious and political. Even as a child, as a child, he would be a threat. And we know Jesus was a threat when he started his ministry. They pursued him because of it, even as a child. So not only that, not only is Herod going to be disturbed, not only are the uh, religious and political leaders going to be disturbed, all the people feared that Herod would probably respond in cruelty. They'd seen it. He has a pattern of cruelty. So they thought, oh, goodness gracious, they're looking for the king of the Jews. That is some big group. This is not going to be good. So he assembled. He's, Herod was not a dummy. He assembled the chief priests, that's those in charge of all temple activities, and the scribes. Now, scribes, what they did is they, they, they prepared uh, old literature, like uh, they interpreted Old Testament scripture. Um, they, they made copies of sacred writings. They were teachers of the law. So you've got your, your priests who are your Sadducees, and you've got your scribes who are your Pharisees. But here's the thing about these true groups. Boy, oh boy, did they not get along. Rarely did they get along. So Herod calling both groups together, I can't tell you this, it's not scriptural, but here's my feeling. I think that maybe he felt guarded against any trickery, or maybe he felt guarded against any collusion between these two groups since they didn't like each other, and he'd get honest answers. And he did. He asked this question to them, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Guys, I want to know where the Christ is to be born. Now, he never even bothered to think about this. They had the scriptures, mind you. They could know just as much. We have chief priests, high priests, that are just indifferent to this whole situation. It took Gentile magi to come into their land and say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Oh, okay, well, let's look at the text here. 
So they answer this. The Jewish leaders answered the question by referring to Micah 2. And that was in our text today. Micah 2, let me read that. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's right there in verse 6. It's interesting to me, after reading this, it being brought to their attention, that they didn't saddle up and head to Bethlehem to worship this child. They did not. Only the Gentile magi did that. See, the king wants to kill him. The Jewish leaders were indifferent to him, and the Gentiles that had arrived wanted to worship him. That's prophetic right there. I'll explain that prophecy in a minute, what that actually means. Of course, we find out why Herod did not rush off to worship this newborn child. You know, ever since he was threatened by this news, I guarantee his wheels were spinning. I got to kill this kid. This is his hypocrisy, Herod's hypocrisy. What did he say to him? He said, so that I may go and worship him. He was deceiving the Magi. Hey, man, come back. Tell tell me where he is. I, too, like you, want to worship this child. This is great news. But this was a deception. But you know Herod the Great, he was very confident of his success here, wasn't he? He sent no escort. He sent no guard. He really thought he had won the Magi over. And this, this was truly, his plan was dependent on the Magi's confidence in him. The mistake Herod made, and he couldn't have known, he couldn't have foreseen God's intervention in all this. He couldn't have foreseen that. But he was confident they'd come back and tell him, and then he would just take care of business. Of course, God's providence, we know the story, that does not happen. So Herod wanted to ask some questions. <clears throat> Smart man. He wanted to ask about the timing. So tell me, when did you first see this star? Okay, got it. Uh-huh. When, when did you leave? What time did you? Okay, you guys left then. And how long was your journey? Okay. So it's Herod doing the math, folks. Herod is literally doing the math here. <clears throat> and this is why he killed all males, all male babies up to two years old. Based on this information, this is why he killed all babies two years old. Now, Jesus would have been included in that. He would have been included in that had it not been for his intervention. And not just by the dream Joseph received, folks, by the gifts that the Magi were about to give. It's amazing what God does. So, again, the king had no idea, no idea. And I love this thought. The king is talking to the very uh, three, four, 12, however many wise men there are. He's talking to them with the plan of killing this child. All the while, these men are carrying very, very expensive gifts that are going to fund the escape for Jesus and his parents to flee to Egypt. As they're talking, they're carrying the items that are going to fund his escape from the man that's about to kill him. Love that. And they do. They do escape the evil plans of Herod. So, I love this next part. We're going to get back to this conjunction of planets and what this light was. And the star reappears. It reappears, and it's ahead of them. And they're making their way to Bethlehem. Now, folks, it was not uncommon to travel at night. Many people traveled at night. But the Bible tells us the Magi were overjoyed. They were so joyous at the reappearance of the star that went before them. Right? When they saw the star, they rejoiced. 
their reaction implies that the star had disappeared. Now, it was there previously, and now it reappears. So perhaps it's due to the inability of seeing a star during the day. Maybe it was daytime and then it became night. Now I can see it again. Maybe. Maybe it was really heavy cloud cover. I can't see. Oh, there it is. But my problem is this. If you like the heavens, telescopes, stars, things like that, you'll know that you are on an earth that revolves, that moves. So I got a TV right in front of me. <clears throat> Given enough time, if we were, the stage was turning, uh, the TV over here, right? They don't hold their place. This conjunction of planets and these stars, they do not hold their place. Comets, anything in the heavens, because we are rotating. And this star is going before them and even rests in a place. That had to be supernatural. This had to be a guiding light from God. So they were also joyful, like I said, because of this particular thing here. This guiding light, this star, his star, it stops indicating the Messiah's location. Now, we cannot know if it was just Bethlehem that the star came to rest over. We don't know. We don't know if the star came to rest over an area near the house. We don't know if the star came to rest over the house, but we know that the wise men following the star found the child. And that, my friends, is all because of God's governing light right there. Amen. And I am telling you something. I don't see, I've looked at, I, I took my time and went out this week and looked at the stars. I didn't want to go outside, but I did. I was like, I could look at that star and I don't think I could find church. I don't think I could make my way back to Jacksonville. Now, you've got to remember, ships use things by the stars. They can guide, that's true. But they also account for the movements. They are following a supernatural light that's going before them and then rests in a spot. Just think about that. Now, they enter Bethlehem and they find the child, but guess what? He is not in lying in a manger. He's not in stalls. Where's he at? Folks, he is in a house. This is after the birth. Eight days later, and if I made a mistake last week, I apologize, but eight days later, uh, he would get uh, circumcised. And Mary would have to be purified for about 40 days before they could ever be presented at the temple. So the Magi, these wise men, appeared anytime after the birth up to that two-year mark. I believe it was after the 40 days purification because when they went to make an offering, do you know what they bought? They bought what they call young pigeons or turtle doves. That's about the cheapest thing poor people can buy when you're going to make a sacrifice. So I don't think the Magi had come with all these gifts and money. If they have, that's great too. It doesn't matter their timing. The matters, what matters is that they arrived and that they found the child. So <clears throat> they see the star. It leads them to Bethlehem. It leads them to the place where they find the Christ. And now what happens? Mary is in there with the child. Earlier, that word worship I talked about, worship in that Greek text means they fell prostrate. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship anyone, if there was anyone in the house. They worshiped this child. They fell down and worshiped this reigning king when they entered this house. I can't even imagine what that would look like. All these, probably dressed to the T, man, these guys walking in. 
and fallen face first on the ground to this child because they're worshiping the reigning king, the king of the Jews. This is who they sought out, and they found him in this house. Now, they have presented gifts. These gifts, like I said earlier, these would not have been gifts for a baby, like a toy. These would not have been your normal baby shower gifts, as much as we would have loved that gold. But these gifts were particular. See, each of these wise men lived in a particular culture. They brought the best treasure from their regional area, from where they lived. They brought the best of what they had to present to this king. Do you know why? Because these gifts were fit for a king. These are things you don't give to a normal person. These are gifts for a king coming from each of these men. They had great, great significance to where they were, where they lived. Now, I will tell you that there's a lot of people that believe there's, there's um, <clears throat> much more to each gift. For instance, gold, they believe, is for royalty. It's for a king. Frankincense, they believe, is for God. It's an incense that you burn, going up to God. And, of course, myrrh is an ingredient used in the anointing of oil, but it's also for embalming, for the burial, such as the burial of Jesus. And they look at these distinct gifts uh, that will be needed in the life of Jesus. And that's great, that's great, but that's not where I'm going. See, the three gifts were simply expensive. And again, I believe they most likely helped finance the trip to Egypt when it was time for them to flee. See, the homage of the Magi showed the inf- to the infant Messiah, I, I believe it's prophetic too. The Jews had every opportunity to come and worship this child, didn't they? They did not. Gentiles did. And we see in the New Testament that this gospel truth not only is for the Jews anymore that reject it, it's open to the Gentiles. We see that in Peter's ministry. We see that in Paul's ministry. We see that with you and I sitting here today. What a prophecy. What a prophetic moment to see these Gentile wise men fall down worshiping the king of the Jews when their own people, his own people, will not. And again, not all the Jews were bad. They were probably looking for the Messiah. But these things, these are leadership. You'd think they would step up. So the Messiah here, born to save his people from their sins, is sought and found and worshipped by Gentiles while the highest representatives of his own people are so indifferent to the quest that they leave it to their tyrant king to discover Jesus. But only for the motive to destroy him. Poor kid. Mm. See, Jesus' birth wasn't just important to the Jews but to the world. The story of the wise men reveals this, that this was for the world. What an example they've given us too. What an example they've given us to seek Jesus earnestly and worship him. If you don't think these wise men's trek was dangerous and hard, you're wrong. It was a long journey, all so that they could bow down to a child who is the king of the Jews. They sought him. They worshiped him. Now, it's also evident that they were obedient to God over man. Why? Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they were obedient to that. These were indeed very, very wise men. They worshiped in light of the star. We see that in verse 2, 9, and 10. They worshiped in light of the star. In verses 5 and 6, they worshiped in light of the scripture. And of course, verse 11, they worshiped in the presence of the Savior. There's three things that are applicable to our lives today here. That's the story of the wise men. 
You may believe some parts a little differently, and that's okay. If you want to think it's a planet or a comet, that's fine. But the rest of the story is truth. There was a man who wanted to destroy him. There were men who were upset that this was going to throw up their corruption. There was a city terrified of their tyrant king and what he was going to do. This huge caravan comes in. What is going on? This is all real. But let's talk about these three applicable things. Seeking Jesus. I know they, they, they came just the one time there. But if you look at the cultural aspects of them coming, what they endured, entering a foreign land to them with a crazy king, wanting to worship the king of the Jews who he said he was, what a danger. Seeking Jesus. I want to throw a lot of verses at you real quick. Guys, I hope you're ready up there. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Salvation's a beautiful thing, folks. Salvation is a beautiful thing. That moment in time when you are covered by the love of Christ for the rest of your eternal life, everything. You're covered by his love, his mercy, his grace. It's beautiful. But you don't coast on that. I've met people, yeah, I got saved 25, 26 years ago. Well, you go to, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. I'm just saying that, and doing the church doesn't make you a Christian, mind you, but pursuing Christ does. Well, what do you use Bibles? Do you use, no, I don't study the Bible. I'm, I'm in his hands, brother. I'm in God's hands. But are you seeking him? No. And what about us? Is Sunday enough? Is Wednesday night enough? Sunday and Wednesday enough? These men sought Jesus. We are to seek Christ continually. We do not coast on our salvation. It goes beyond that. And the Christmas time is a great, great reminder to continually seek Jesus. Look at Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Do you hear the word diligently? <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Folks, we are to seek Jesus continually. If you're given an hour to God, can you imagine if that's what he gave you a week? I'll give you one hour, and then I'm backing off. Could you imagine? Two hours. I come Wednesday and Sunday. Folks, we're talking about seeking the presence of Jesus in our life continually. That's what these wise men revealed to us, how earnestly we should be seeking Christ. Let's go to worship. I only have one verse for worship, and I love it. I love this verse. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Isn't that what the Magi did? Isn't that what these wise men did? Let us come and worship and bow down. Folks, this Christmas season, we have to realize something. They may not have recognized the wise men as this child as God himself. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But they did recognize one thing, king of the Jews. 
They called him king of the Jews. Do you know where else we'll see that? We see that on the sign that's hung above him on the cross when he dies for us. That same title that the wise men assigned is what's hanging over his head when he dies for us, king of the Jews. You have wise men at his birth, at his earliest days, coming and praising and worshiping him. And then we'll have a lot of people screaming obscenities and throwing things with the same title. Isn't that amazing? That's what our God went through for us. And what a reminder at Christmas. What a reminder if we can take the birth and the death together, the resurrection, the ascension, when we can put it all together, the whole life of Christ. This is what the wise men did. They worshiped. We should be worshiping. We should be worshiping. I challenge you not only to seek Jesus continually, but when you're sitting in your living room looking at your tree with the lights, pray. Take a few minutes to pray. Meditate on a verse. Think about what Christmas is and how God is all over it. You can't have it without Christ. Take time to worship Jesus during this season. I know you're busy. I got parties. I got presents to buy. There's things to do. But I'm telling you, seek Jesus continually in worship. Worship him privately. We can work just worship collectively together, fine. Worship him privately this Christmas season. He deserves it. Think of these wise men falling face down. We need to be more like that. Seek Christ diligently. diligently. Worship him, kneeling, bowing. But one thing else that struck me with these wise men this light, this star gets me. I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothers the daylights out of me. I want to know what it is. I know we'll find out in heaven. I want to know now. What was this thing that they saw? The one thing that grasps me, though, and you got to remember, like I said, Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem would be about five, six miles south of Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem, and the, oh, there it is. There it is, guys. There it is. And they're following it. And it stops. And they're overjoyed that it's there. And they're overjoyed when it stops. What is this light? Now, this drove me nuts. And then it dawned on me. No matter how we want to perceive what this light is, it doesn't matter. Because what happened is this light presented Christ to these wise men. These magi from the east, it presented Christ. It stopped and presented, and I said, oh, Lord, I just, you, just, you just got me. I got it. I want to read some verses. Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I started to think, wow, am I light in this dark, dark world? Because we know we live in a dark, dark world. Am I being the light that presents Christ to another. This light stopped. It guided and it stopped and it presented Jesus to the wise men. Am I doing that in my life to others? Am I a light that presents Jesus? Because see, here's the thing. The light of Christ is in me. It's in you. We have the light of Jesus inside us. Is that light shining bright enough to guide someone, to show somebody, hey, guess what? The presence of Christ right here in this life. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. 
You were the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We can't escape this. We cannot escape this beautiful star that got their attention, led them straight to Christ. We cannot escape it because you and I have got to be that same kind of light in this world. Guess what? Others out there, non-believers, sinners, look at me. I want to reveal Christ to you. I want this light to shine. Now, we can quench that light, folks. We need to let that light shine. Christmas time is a perfect time. We should do it all the time, but Christmas is a great reminder for that light. Acts 13, 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We cannot escape that God is calling us to be a light that reveals him. The wise men, I understand they call it magic, but the reason I, I, I like the word wise men is because the wisdom they had in pursuing Christ, they sought him diligently. They worshiped him. They worshiped him. And they were overjoyed about that light. Oh, there it is again. It reappeared. Folks, in this dark world, I want to be one that can go out and be a light so bright that they go, what is, what's up with that guy? I want them to see him come and approach me and say, I, what, who are you, what are you about? Uh, and it could be in many different situations. I understand that. We all work somewhere else. We all have different families. Your encounters are different than mine. But I want to stand out wherever I'm at and then go, what's different about you? Well, I want to say, well, the light you see, what, whatever caught your eye, let me present Christ to you because Christ lives in me. This is where the star stops. I believe this Christmas season is a wonderful challenge. It's a wonderful time for us to challenge each other in this. Seek Jesus diligently. Seek Jesus continually in worship. And all the while, guess what? You are becoming a stronger and stronger light that reveals Christ. This is where he is. And somebody else is going to be attracted to that. Someone's going to see that. God uses us as these guiding lights. That's why he lives in us, so that he can shine through us. It is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. But what it relays to us, this, it, it, this is what it does. We can't be lazy with our Christianity. You can't depend on a Sunday to get everything. It's like parents who say, I don't really want to raise my kids. I'm going to let a teacher at their school do it. That doesn't work. It starts at home with those kids. Everybody would agree with that. Well, guess what? This starts at home with you and I, personally, our relationship with God, seeking him and worshiping him. That's where it starts. We have to be able to do that and not rely just on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. This has to be something we continually do. We have to look at the earnestness of these wise men, their diligence, their fortitude. They wanted to worship this king no matter what, and they got there and did it. That is a beautiful, beautiful story for Christmas. Folks, that's our challenge. That's our challenge. Seek, worship, and be that light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to bring you all the glory right now, Lord, and thank you. We want to thank you for Scripture, Father, that reveals to us your holy word, Lord, the timing of things, the places, the people, Father. 
everything historically accurate, biblically accurate, Father, for us to grow in the knowledge of you. Lord, we thank you for your word that reveals this story. We thank you for, we're just completely grateful right now for this story, Lord, because we see how diligently they wanted to find you. They wanted to find you. They were overjoyed when they saw your star again. They were overjoyed when they stepped into the house and fell face first to worship you. And someday we'll all meet them. We'll get to know who these people are. But Father God, we want to thank you for the story because it reminds us, especially right now at Christmas, Lord, it reminds us that we need to continually, continually seek you out in everything. Father, you deserve every ounce of worship that we can bestow. Father, let us do that. And let us do it, Father, wherever we're at. Even in the privacy of our own homes, let us worship you, Lord. Father, I pray for that for this Christmas season, for every single person here today, Lord. And Father God, I ask you, please help us be a light. We know we're called for it. We have called to, this is our task. Let us be a light to others, just as your guiding light led those wise men to the place where Jesus laid. Father, I pray for that for us. It's a challenge for this church. It's a challenge for us individually, Lord. I don't care if you've been a Christian for two months or 80 years, folks. This is a challenge for us all. Father, will you encourage us? Will you lead us and guide us in this and help us be stronger in the faith, Father, so that we can worship you properly as we seek you continually? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercies and your grace and your love. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.